And Jim Brandstatter on this week has released an audio book called Voices of Michigan Stadium. Now the audio book and paperback are available at jimbrandstatter.com or Amazon Books by searching Voices of Michigan Stadium. And Jimmy sent Superfly some of the cuts uh, that are excerpts from the audio book Voices of Michigan uh, Stadium. And this is one in regards to Bo and OSU. One of the lowest moments in Bo Schembechler's Michigan coaching career was 1973. After a 10-10 tie with Ohio State to close the season, and despite outplaying the Buckeyes in the game and sharing the Big Ten title, the conference athletic directors voted to send Ohio State to the Rose Bowl. Schembechler never got over the injustice. There were some very weak character guys uh, in athletic director positions in the Big Ten. That's been proven. And everybody thought, well, uh, you know, we'll let it go and forget about it. But I I had some great football players and great teams uh, that never got to play in that great classic. I, I always said to myself, if I ever let up on my bitterness over what happened to that football team in 1973, uh, I'm not being fair to those guys who played. And so I never have. And I've been bitter ever since about it, and uh, and I'll never I'll never forget it. And fortunately, because of that Michigan team in 1973, all these other teams in the Big Ten Conference now have an opportunity to play in a postseason bowl game because uh, that restriction of the Rose Bowl or No Bowl was as antiquated and stupid as anything the Big Ten's ever done. And so uh, we did accomplish something, but it was at a hell of an expense. Coaches just don't talk like that anymore, do they? And somehow, some way, the voice of the late Bo Schembechler fits on Michigan Ohio State Week. That's an excerpt from the audiobook Voices of Michigan Stadium. The audiobook and paperback are available at jimbrandstander.com, Amazon Books. Uh, just search Voices of Michigan Stadium. Uh, here's another uh, audio clip about the O line and the Buckeyes. In the 1995 season finale against Ohio State, the Michigan Wolverines were a decided underdog. The Buckeyes came into the game unbeaten, and Michigan had lost three times. What happened that Saturday, though, is legendary in Michigan football history. Michigan won the game 31-23 in a huge upset, despite throwing three first-half interceptions. If you remember, the biggest hero in this drama was Wolverine running back Shamunga Biakabatuka. He rushed for over 300 yards against the Buckeyes to gut their defense and lead the way to victory. But the backstory of this epic was an in-game offensive line adjustment that changed everything. Michigan center Rod Payne explains. Three first half interceptions against Ohio State. We come off the field and I'll just put it mildly to say that there was an attempted coup of mutiny from the offensive line to our offensive line coach, our coordinator, and our head coach. And we refuse to go back on the field if we throw another pass. Make a long story short, the coaches, I think, got the message. We went back out and rushed for 400 yards against Ohio State. It was a day that Bianca Tuga went 37 rushes for 313 yards. We beat the hell out of him. Let it be known that the smartest people on the football field, the true genius, offensive line. Offensive line. 
Former Michigan football coach Bo Schembechler was an emotional leader. He wore his emotions on his sleeve. There were games during his tenure when the team did not perform to his expectations in the first half. At those times, many fans expected Bo to peel the paint off the locker room walls at halftime with a verbal tirade. The belief was that he needed to light a fire under his team for a second-half rebound. Well, according to the man himself, that was not the way he handled those moments. The halftime speech is a misnomer because it doesn't happen at halftime. You don't have time for that at halftime. At halftime, you have to make adjustments, and you're busy with the technical aspect of football. If you want to motivate, to stimulate, uh, it may come during the week. It may have come uh, before you left the hotel uh, to come to the locker room to dress. Those speeches, uh, they come from time to time when you think they're necessary. That's when they come. But uh, there's no such thing as the old pregame, halftime, let's go win one for the Gipper. Uh, No, I, I don't see those much anymore. Again, Michigan, Ohio State Week and the voice of the late Bo Schembechler, which is part of the audiobook Voices of Michigan Stadium. Jimmy Brandstatter has put this together. The audiobook and paperback are available at jimbrandstatter.com or on Amazon Books by searching Voices of Michigan Stadium. And Brandy is standing by on the Meyer guest sign. Bo Schembechler hearing that voice. You talk about just yeah. a, a coach's sound. Uh, no nonsense, no BS, straightforward, tell like it is. He even sounded like he was getting angry at you. Bill, isn't that beautiful stuff? Every time I hear it, I think, and he doesn't hold anything back. And I did that interview with Bo well after 1973. And you can still hear the passion and the emotion in that voice. And you're right. Uh, You mentioned a little earlier, you know, there was no coach speak with him. Uh, He came out and told you what he thought. Uh, He didn't uh, mince words. And, boy, you kind of miss that, don't you, with all the coach speak that you hear today on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons. Uh, it's great to hear Bo and hear that inside story with Rod Payne, too, talking about the O-line and the Bianca Batuka game. One thing for you, Jimmy, that in stepping down with Dan Deardorff as Voices of Michigan Football and having a chance to reconnect with your family, but also just show up to the big house as a fan tailgating. I see uh, the Facebook photos and putting this – Voices of Michigan Stadium audio book and paperback together. It, it really is kind of like looking at a Michigan football yearbook for you. It really is, and it's a, and it's more of a history thing. You know, when I got into it, Bill, uh, I thought it was going to be telling stories and everything, and then I utilized some of the old interviews that I had done. I've got Kip Taylor, who scored the first touchdown at Michigan Stadium back in 1927. I've got him on tape. I did an interview with him when he was 94 years old and I think 99. Is he the president of the United States now? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think he made it into politics. Oh, I wasn't sure when you said someone 99. Yeah, I wasn't sure he was, but, but he didn't make it into politics. But he did run down the field with Benny Oosterbahn, and he talks about his uh, interaction with Fielding H. Yost. So when I heard all of this material that I had, you know, it not only was a yearbook, like you mentioned, but it was also kind of a history book. Yeah. I've got Al Wister uh, talking about things. Ron Kramer, uh, Bob Chappius from the Mad Magicians of 1942. 
I have wow. them on tape talking about their moments in Michigan Stadium. So it became kind of a history lesson for me also. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether there's anybody out there that remembers Tom Harmon of this Generation X or Z, but I do. And, and, and from my perspective, I think we all need to talk about him and remember the first Heisman Trophy winner at Michigan because he's part of the fabric of the Michigan football tradition. Well, Bo and Woody made this rivalry. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. That game in 1969, uh, when we beat them and they were the greatest college football team ever assembled, that was, I think, the modern era of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, and it hasn't stopped since. And uh, it's going to be another great one on Saturday. Yeah, Harbaugh has two things left on the checklist. I'm not saying he's close to being done, but two things that most wanted him to accomplish when he took over as Michigan head football coach and returned back to Ann Arbor uh, win at Ohio State and win the national championship, and it's all before Michigan right now. Uh, the schedule, where the top shelf teams are at, they're not as strong as they were uh, a year ago. Uh, how does this Michigan team, considering the injuries that are looming, and we won't know until game time, uh, who's 50%, who's 70 who's playing, who's not playing, but lining up Michigan and Ohio State right now for that game Saturday, uh, who do you like, Jim, and why? Well, all hands on deck, no matter you know who's injured and who's not. If you can stand up and go and contribute, you're going to go. One last thing before we get into that game. Are you going to cut me some slack now and admit that I'm right about talking about a half state before you actually play the game? I won't admit you're right, but I'll give you props <laughs> for being honest. <laughs> no, because everybody's talking about a half state last week, and we barely got by Illinois, mm. so... Just let's remember that as we go down the road. Next year, you call me up, and you're going to set me up for this Michigan-Ohio State rivalry about a month before we play them, and I'm going to um, give a little pushback on you. Don't be mad at me, but that's what I'm going to do, and it's based on this year and what I know as uh, don't take anybody lightly, especially that game before the the big game. Well, on both sides, uh, Ohio State looked flat yeah. and looked like you know Day was holding the playbook in and – I was thinking the same thing about Harbaugh early and then the coaches and the players and especially with Twitter, Facebook and the 9,000 cable and satellite channels today. <laughs> it's tough not to look ahead, Jim. No, you're, you're absolutely right. This is a whole different world we live in. And the uh, bombardment of those young players, those kids, with all of the information that's coming to them from so many different directions, it's hard not to look ahead when everybody tells you that's the next game on your schedule. And Illinois isn't. Uh, but anyway, we got there. And when you talk about this Michigan-Ohio State game, to me it's it's about two different styles. You've got the 4th of July Ohio State, which means bells and whistles and oohs and ahs. And then on the other side you get the Mack truck, who will be dependable and will get it done a different way, but both of them get it done in their own way. I think Michigan is built more for a northern climate game Ohio State, if the weather is blowing and it's rainy, they might have trouble because of the conditions. Michigan, I think, can play in any condition. So in that sense, uh, I think Michigan's probably got an edge. Even without a healthy quorum in Edwards, they still have that edge? No, again, uh, if they don't have those guys, then that J.J.'s going to have to step up, I think, Bill. Don't you agree? I agree. I we think have... it's on J.J. In my mind, 
And I know you had the wind. I know it was 11 degree wind chill. I understand everything, but there are some soft touch throws. It reminds me of a young Matt Stafford where he couldn't complete. He could throw it 70 yards in the air, but he couldn't complete the short passes. And then he got that touch. That's what JJ needs. And Anthony, uh, he had that touchdown. You can't short arm that yeah, thing in the end zone. You, you can't. Gotta, you got to make that catch. You're right, absolutely right. And. And when JJ puts that on him like that, you you can't let that go. Um, you can't let that pass go un, unfinished. You got to finish that play. But I think that Michigan has to. You go into this game; it's real simple. I think Michigan has to show that they can throw the football a little bit because I think Ohio State's going into the game saying, if we can stop the run, no matter who's running, whether it's Corm or Edwards or whomever, if we can stop their run, we don't think they can beat us with their throw. And I think that JJ, with his feet and his arm is going to have to be a factor in this game. Doesn't have to be the guy that wins it. The running game still has to be there for Michigan to win the game. But I think he's got to make some plays like he did in that last drive, those fourth down throws that he made that were beautiful. Uh, He's got to make those throws, I think, to keep Ohio State honest and back their defense off a little. Yeah, Karsh talked about that. When I mentioned, okay, when has McCarthy needed to step up and – he brought up a good point. It was at the end of the Illinois game. That's the only time the team really has needed him to make some plays, and now you're going to supersize it on steroids. On the road is toughest environment. It's Ohio State. There's a trip uh, to the Big Ten Championship on the line. I think the winner is guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff. Far and away, J.J. McCarthy's biggest game as a first-year starter he has the skills, but it's the body language, man, that I've watched uh, him the entire year, and he doesn't have that same confidence he had a year ago. He just doesn't. Well, he's one of those guys that has all the talent in the world. You know, you've seen him make every throw. Uh, he's got great feet. He's got the ability to run. But I think that defenses have, have changed some things up and it's taken him out of his comfort zone a little bit. And the truly great ones can figure that out and get back into their comfort zone and use what the defense is doing against them. And I think that's where they, J.J. and the coaching staff has to kind of figure that out and get him back into a comfort zone. Because when he is there, he's, well, you saw him early in the year. I mean, he was the, the percentage leader in pass completions. I mean, he's got all that stuff. But uh, it's the running game, and, and, and J.J., I think, being efficient in the pass game, getting those third and fours and not running the ball, but maybe doing the little quick throws here and there uh, to get those conversions and move the chains. Those are the pass game, I think, plays. They're going to be important on Saturday. I really thought Anthony was going to go next level this year and be his favorite target, uh, be a deep threat. Well, what's missed or what has been missing and what McCarthy has missed is that the separation speed from, from right. that incredible depth they have at wide receiver, they don't have the separation guy. Well, they've got to have guys that in one-on-one situations win because too many teams have gone man-to-man and they haven't created that separation. And that's up to that receiver. I mean, you're man-on-man. It's you. You've got, you know, it's him out there and guarding you. You've got to create, whether it's in a fake or do something, but you've got to create some kind of separation and give J.J. a little bit of a room for error. Can't throw perfect throws all the time. And J.J. needs that, and I agree with you. The receivers, it's incumbent upon them sometimes to get open. 
And uh, they haven't done that, I don't think, in man deep man coverage, uh, except a couple of times maybe that JJ overthrew a couple in some games. But uh, the reality of life is, you're in a game now where you can't overthrow, you can't make that mistake. And and when you get open, that ball's got to be there so that you make a play. And Edwards not in the lineup again. I when I look at comfort zones for JJ McCarthy. Uh, it would be Edwards, his ability to catch the ball and take well, it to the house. And also, uh, Anthony, from what we saw last yeah. year, and not having Edwards there as a receiver out of the backfield, that's a huge loss for Michigan. Oh, Bill, your, your point's exactly right. And, and not just, not just Edwards, but how about, uh, Eric All gone for the year at tight end? Schoonmaker gone last week. That tight end position was a huge go-to kind of comfort, uh, uh security blanket for JJ. And and they're not there. And while the youngster Loveland has done a nice job, you know he's still learning. He's a true freshman. And and you don't like you don't want to have to go into the horseshoe with true freshmen as being your go to guys. So again, it's one of those things where they're going to have to grow up fast, play in a very hostile environment. And JJ's going to have to just shut out everything that people are saying that you can't throw the ball deep, the passing game hurts, and go do your job and and play efficiently and play well uh, against, you know, not only the high state defense, but 97,000 crazies up there in the stands. That would be down there. They say up there, that school in Michigan. We say down there, that school uh, in Ohio. I'm thinking up there like 44 rows. Yeah, up there. Up yours, <laughs> up, up yours, up there. Are we getting uh, the wording? Are we getting the wording uh, mixed up here in Michigan, Ohio State Week? Be careful on that up thing, okay? I know, I know. Yeah. Seven up yours. Uh, there you go. Official beverage of Ohio State uh, Buckeye football. Uh, Jim Panstatter, former voice of Michigan football. His voice now is heard on an audiobook, Voices of Michigan Stadium. The audiobook and paperback are available at jimbradstatter.com and on Amazon Books or Amazon. Amazon was something I tried. It didn't work out. Bezos beat me to it, and he went with Amazon uh, Books by searching Voices of Michigan Stadium. Good stuff on the audiobook, Jimmy. Enjoy the game. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the holiday weekend. We'll talk soon. Absolutely, you too. Thanks, Bill. All right, Jim Brandstatter checking in on the Meyer guest side. And Meyer, proud to be longtime partners with University of Michigan football and University of Michigan athletics. Uh, here's another excerpt from that audio book. Uh, Voices of Michigan Stadium by Jim Brandstatter. In September of 1994, Michigan football suffered a stunning defeat. The Wolverines gave up a 26-14 lead to Colorado in the fourth quarter and lost the game on a 64-yard Hail Mary pass from Cordell Stewart to Michael Westbrook as the clock expired. Utter shock and disbelief descended on Michigan Stadium. Future NFL Hall of Famer Ty Law and teammate Chuck Winters were in the middle of that play. Winters remembers it like it went down in slow motion. The ball goes up. We both, I'm kind of backing up on my heels. We both go up. Ty tries to intercept the ball, and it bounced off his shoulder pad. And I'm like kind of right in the middle as we're falling out and bouncing the air, and I'm looking back. I see Westbrook right behind me catching the ball. I'm like, oh. That was the worst, first feeling, <laughs> worst feeling in the world right there. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I, it took me maybe about almost two weeks to actually get over that because it was just, you know, it was on television every day. I mean, the coaches was talking about it. We had videotape of it. Man, that was the worst, worst feeling in the world. 
I mean, no, now, you know, I see it and it's like, oh, I'm part of history, but uh, you don't want to be a part of that history, though. I mean, everybody was sick. I mean, it was just like, we just were sitting there in, in disarray, just kind of sitting around and, like, it did not, like, not, you know, don't know what to say, but just kind of sitting there and looking around like, man, is this really just happening? One of the most iconic moments in Michigan Stadium came in 1991. At season's end, Wolverine wide receiver Desmond Howard was the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Against Ohio State in the finale, Howard locked down the Heisman and a 31-3 Michigan victory for Gary Moeller's team with a 93-yard punt return for a touchdown. But the moment that is still frozen in the minds of those who were there and millions more in the television audience was when Desmond struck a Heisman Trophy pose in the end zone after the TD. It was not a spur-of-the-moment idea, according to Desmond. Actually, it was uh, brought to my attention earlier in the year. Um, a teammate of mine wanted me to do something like that when we played up in Boston College. I scored four touchdowns. You know, I wasn't going to do it then because it's kind of like counting your, your chickens before the eggs hatch. So going to the Ohio State game, I knew I said, look, I'm from Cleveland. This is the biggest rivalry in college football as far as any of us in the Midwest is concerned. If I get in the end zone today, I got to do something special. It just came natural. As soon as I broke the punt return off for a touchdown, when I, once I got in the end zone, it just came to me to hit the post. I don't even think most seen it when it first happened. I really don't. Like, he was just so happy that, you know, that I scored and everything. I don't think he really saw it. He probably didn't know until afterwards that I did the pose. <laughs> Desmond on the Heisman pose and more inside that audio book by Jim Brandstatter, Voices of Michigan Stadium. The audio book and paperback are available at jimbradstatter.com or on Amazon Books by searching Voices of Michigan Stadium. Some good stuff there with Jimmy and well done, Superfly, getting those audio snippets, uh, putting them up on the computer. Hearing Brandstatter's voice, Bo's voice, Desmond. Kind of fits Michigan-Ohio State week.